0: So here's a challenge this morning as we kind of dig into the Word. I want you guys to repeat this after me, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to say first so that you can get into what it is that I'm going to ask you to say. You're like, what am I going to say? Well, I'm going to tell you first. How many of you know that what God says about you is true? Can we agree to that? Okay, it's okay just to talk in here. Let's have fun, all right? Give you some pumping 80s graphics. You should be excited depending on your age. If you're younger, you listen to our music anyway, so get over it. So here's what I want you to say. I am who God says I am. Simple, right? So let's do it together. I am who God says I am. That's good. One more time like you really mean it. I am who God says I am. There you go. And you say, well, what is that? That's a whole lot of things that he says you are. But we've been talking about this whole faith thing, this this journey that we're on. And and, and I've really thought, you know what? Here's the deal. If we understand who God says we are, our troubles in life will be less frequent, or less severe because we understand the promises that are for each one of us. If God says that I am free, I am truly free. If God says I am saved, I am truly saved. If God says that I am, and it does, say I'm a child of God, how much does my heavenly Father love me? How much does he love you? So we've been talking about heroes of the Old Testament. We love a hero story, right? And I don't know about you, but I'm into the Marvel stuff. Loved Superman. My favorite was Spider Man growing up. We love the story of the hero. We love to hear the story of accomplishment, success, winning stories. We love when the hero sweeps in and 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 just and just does his thing. He what? Saves the day. But here lies the problem. The title hero signifies in some way, at least in my mind, superhero. But most heroes, if you think about Superman had kryptonite and we could go on the list, the list, the list. There was always this thing, right? that hindered them. There was this thing that weakened them. There was always this thing in their life. So when we talk about these heroes within our life, what I want you to understand, at least when I think about it, is it doesn't necessarily mean or signify a perfect man or woman. It doesn't mean that this person is incapable of making a mistake or doing something remarkable or great. It means that they're just maybe normal. But we didn't hear the backstory. Every triathlete, every person, we're watching the Olympics. These people have put in hours upon hours, years upon years. I was watching the hurdles the other day, and it exhausted me just watching them prepare for it as they took 10 minutes. And they would say often, and we wouldn't see this, well, this is their second attempt. Why? Because someone got down on the line and they went early. And I don't know about you, but if I've been preparing for five years, I'd be talking to that interview, like, seriously, stop. Let's get this over with. And then they run. Have you watched that? I'm, I'm pretty sure I might be able to do one, maybe two. But they'd still be filming, like, it ain't over. He's still back there. Yes, I am. Give me a little bit of break here. But it looks like, well, that's, that's easy, right? It's not easy. You see, we often lack the backstory. We don't know the hard work that was put in, the story behind the story, the perseverance, the ridicule, the self-doubt. In fact, I would say this, that most heroes struggle at points in time where we're going to talk about faith. Biblical heroes struggled at some point with their faith, but in their humanity, in their frailty, in their mistakes, in their temporal moments of just, if we can call it human insanity, made decisions that didn't necessarily line up with the will of God. But the grace of God was always applied to their lives because of God's love for us. So we're going to talk about heroes of faith. So the first point is this. It's not only what you hear, but what you do. Someone this morning said, "Well, who are we covering today?" I said, "Bonus. We got multiple individuals we're going to cover today. And the first one is Moses. Originally started at 6, but I thought we'd have to take an intermission sometime in the afternoon." Don't stress out. We're only going to cover four. It's not what you hear, but what you do. In the story and life of Moses, faith is activated through acting on the word of God. You can tell someone, you can tell yourself and you can tell others that you have faith all day. But if you don't do something with your faith, there's problems. In fact, we can hear, we can hear, we can hear. You can attend church service each and every week. You can sit right in these sections, and it's really, I get it because I've done it. And I know I'm going to throw the guys off, and I apologize for those of you that are on there streaming right now, but this is what it looks like. And you sit in the front row, and you're like, oh, that's that's good. That's good. Pastor Mike's preaching really good today, right, Justin? He was dogging me in the uh, in the in the lobby today, so he will be on my list, I promise. That's good, that's good. And then halfway through the service, your tummy starts growling. Your Facebook notifications start popping off. Your Nest camera says someone's at the front door because Amazon just showed up. I know that doesn't happen in here, of course. And all of a sudden, what God began to speak in our lives all of a sudden it takes a second fiddle, right, to all the things that are around us. Because if you sit there and you hear, you hear, you hear, but you don't act upon it. You're like, that's good, that's good, that's good. Let your faith rise. And all of a sudden then you begin to say, not only will my faith rise, but I will begin to put action to what God is speaking in my lives. You see, it's not only what you hear, but what you do with it. So Moses, I'm just going to go through some things really quick because most of us are probably familiar with the story, but in case we aren't, we'll at least be on the same page. Moses was a Hebrew born into slavery. He was, he was put in a basket. Can you imagine this? I mean, think about it. We just did a baby dedication. We were like, baby's born. What are you going to do? I'm going to put him in the river and let him go. No, no, no. But We're talking about a faith of a of a woman who said, this is what i got to do. We catch up in Exodus uh, th- chapters 3 and 4 with Moses in the desert. And, and he's with a new family, all that kind of stuff, and he's kind of doing his thing. And the story goes that he comes in encounter with this this uh, miraculous uh, bush, we'll call it the singing bush, flaming bush, talking bush, whatever you want to call it, but the scripture says him and him and uh, Moses have a conversation. Really, it's not a bush, but you can read about it in chapters 3 and 4, but you get the point. We keep moving on. In this moment, God, was, God placed a great task on Moses' shoulder, and I'm not talking like he said, hey, Moses, I need you to just go down the street and kind of deliver. My message, but he's like, hey, I got something big, huge for you. So Exodus 3:10 says, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. There is an 80s song, won't tell you the band, but again, it always comes there. It says, Let my people go. But that's a whole nother story. It says, This was no, this is no easy task that God assigned to Moses. And my question, I just want to stop here for just a moment because I don't know about you, but I love reading these Old Testament stories because they are miraculous. They are divine. They are so huge. But God is in the business of doing the same stuff in 2021 just as much as he was in the B.C. era of our church history. So the question must be asked, is God the same? The answer is yes. So then the question that we follow up with is, well, why are there not as many miracles that we see today in the, in the Old Testament? And part of my answer is, I believe there are, but we don't see them. And number two is this, that we are so comfortable and not uncomfortable being that God doesn't have to show up all the time for you to get to church because your car starts, God willing, right? And you drive in nice AC when it's 93 degrees outside. You come into a nice cushy cushion seat in church and you say, God is good. So my question is, when's the last time you put yourself in a position where only God could do it? What's your answer? Can I tell you mine? I haven't done it recently. Oh, I pray for the miracle. I pray for God to move. But then what I do is, I got this. So maybe you need to find your own Red Sea. Maybe you need to find the blind person. Maybe you need to find the person who's dead. And in the name of Jesus, because that is the God that we're talking about today. Hope Church, we are not called to be ordinary. We are not called to be comfortable. We are not called to remain status quo. But we are called to go to every high and low place and call upon the name of Jesus. We are called to the people and the communities of this city and its suburbs. We are called to deliver the message and the person that we call our Lord and Savior. And it is by faith that we must say, God, you are bigger than it. You are bigger than my situation. You are bigger than my circumstances. And I will not only hear, but I will begin to initiate and activate my faith to stand upon that which I cannot do on my own and say, in the name of Jesus. So Moses is in one of those moments so what does Moses do? And we're not going to go through every one of them, but they're going to put them on the screen. Just hang with me, Tim. I'll tell you where to go. And and it's just constant, one thing after the other. He throws excuse after excuse after excuse. Exodus 3, 11 through 13, he says he protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? You ever feel that way? Who am I, God? I, I'm not I'm not good enough. I'm not significant enough. I'm not educated enough. I can't speak clearly enough. I'm not qualified enough, whatever it may be. So God God answered in the next in verse 12 he says, I will be with you and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you when you've brought the people out of Egypt you will worship God at this very mountain now normal human being if God is speaking to him will say okay got this God you, you you you're speaking to me but again Moses doesn't stop because Moses is at this moment of life where his faith is in crisis. So Moses protests, In verse 13, it says, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, well, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? What he's wanting is an answer that will satisfy the uncomfortableness within him. He wants an answer that is fully good and bona fide, verified to the point that he says, when I go, if I go, I want to be successful, and I don't want to be ridiculed, and I don't want to be uncomfortable in this moment. You tell me what to say, but I need you to think about this answer really long time because I need it to be right. And I love this response. And again, here's how I read the word of God. And you have to ask these questions all the time. Here's God being a little sassy. He puts a little sauce to his answer. And he said, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Can you imagine parents well, maybe we should start practicing this. They come to you and hey, well, well, why do you say that? You know what? I am who I am. Take that. You have a problem with your boss Monday morning, you wake up and you say, you know what? You aren't who you say you are. I am who I am. Don't do that because you'd be calling me, hey, I need a new job. <laughs> I can't help you with that. But God can. He says, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I take that as a little bit of sassy, a little bit of sauce. And what he's saying is this. You know what? i have already given you the answer. If you need more, you tell them who I am. I am who I am. And you know, in essence, here's what he's saying. You look at the further scripture. He says, say this. He, I am who I am is... The God of Israel. I am who I am is Yahweh. The God the I am who I am is the God of your ancestors. I am who I am is the God of Abraham. I am who I am is the God of Isaac and of Jacob has sent me to you. This is what my eternal name. My name to remember for all generations. You see, Moses lost sight of who God was. Moses was more concerned. I want you to hold on to this. Moses was more concerned about what others thought rather than focus on who he knew God to be. And it wasn't like God didn't show up in Moses' life earlier. I mean, some of you feel like you've been walking the desert and you're like, where are you, God? Moses had God walking alongside him the entire time. I'm like, come on, Moses. So the truth is this God didn't need to remind Moses who he was for his sake. Moses needed it, the reminder for him. You see, his faith was being tried. What if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe you sent me? What if I'm scared? What if I don't speak? All those kinds of stuff. And we pick up the story in Exodus, chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. It said the Lord became angry with Moses. So I'm not going to read all this, but then here's the thing that I love about it. He's like, fine. You, you know, Moses is like, well, what if I can't do it on my own? Well, you, okay, fine. You need somebody. Well, Aaron can go with you. I mean, that's our God. Gracious, almost like Maybe too much. I don't know. He says, you don't. you would be delighted to see you talk to him and, and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you and you will speak and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman. You see, what Moses didn't get is this. Moses did not get that it was really not about him at all. It's not. In fact, can I challenge you to think about whatever circumstance, whatever situation, whatever crisis of faith that you have this morning is not about you. It's not. You say, well, what, what do you mean? You don't understand what I'm going through. You know what? I don't because I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to understand and, and say, well, I've walked, through, walked in your shoes because I have not walked through your shoes. But what I do know is this. The only way that Moses could do Anything that he did was because of God's strength and God's provision. It wasn't about him, but it's all about God. So whatever thing you're going through in your life, whatever thing you're believing God for, it's not about you, but it's about God working in and through you. You see, slowly God is shifting Moses' mind to see that not only by God's grace, Would he be able to accomplish this daunting mission? You see, Moses needed to shift from fear to faith. And when you allow this shift to happen, doubt is replaced with peace. You guys with me? Because I don't know about you, but if you're standing in a God moment, we'll talk we'll for a God moment or or a big thing that God's gonna call you, can we just use the word kingdom for this morning? So if you're in a kingdom moment, what do you do? You don't rest upon your own strength and your own abilities and your own intellect, but you say, God, this isn't about me, but it's about you. And through the grace of God, he says, I have sent you. And if he he has sent you, then trust me, he will equip you. So let me ask you a question. If you never, if you never take what God has spoken and act upon it, can you call that even faith? I mean, what if Mel said, yeah, it's a good idea, God. You want us to feed a whole bunch of people, but I don't know how that's going to come. So when you figure that out, you let me know. But other than that, I'm just going to chill. I know there are times... Tell me if I'm wrong, Mel, but there are times you probably wonder where the food was going to come from. And then if you get a whole bunch of food, guess what? That food doesn't get to people on its own. You know, God could, in his sovereignty, I guess, just, you know, drop a whole bunch of tomatoes on our lot. But if you think about it, when they drop, won't they explode? Just saying. Well, you can say, well, they'd be cans then. I'm thinking depending on how far they drop, those might might be an issue too. I know some of you are still working through, well, what have you dropped? It's, It's all the same. When people pull up here, they don't just all of a sudden God just has, a, you know, parachutes from heaven, just manna drops like the Old Testament. I was thinking when Pastor Mike preached this last week and won't go into but, you know, I, I said it's wonder bread. We talked about bread, manna, wonder bread and miracle whip. Listen to it. It was perfect. But you don't just pull up and all of a sudden the parachute from heaven and there's this blinking line and said, this is from your father. Blessings. And your trunk, your trunk just supernaturally divinely opens. Like, I didn't do that. God did. And it just pops right in there. Guess what? It takes people. And lately, it takes a whole lot of sweaty people. You don't want to go out to eat with anybody after pantry night. Why? Because it's called BO. Just saying. Some people I'm not saying here at our church, the other pantries. Ninety-three degrees. Unless you're sitting in front of the fan, and there are some, I won't call you out. There are some that do that. So, what am I saying? Sometimes we sit in the service, and someone says, "I know God, you want me to volunteer on Thursday night." Yeah. I know God, you you want me to open my home? Can I tell you one of these things? We're, we're gonna we're gonna push this and fall. We need some people. They're hospitable, and then when I open their home, you can say, "Well, what for?" Now nah, we're not coming in into doing like a tour of homes. We want to open the homes up so that other people can say, "I need to build relationships with other people, and you can gather in your home, and you're going to break bread and pray for each other and we'll walk together in life. We are what? Better together. Good job. So again, I'm going to ask the question. If you never take what God has spoken and act upon it, can you call that faith? You know what I'm going to call? It's just a good idea because you never did anything with a good idea, and that God idea is sitting there until you do something about it. It's not about what Moses can't do. It's about what God can do. It's not about what Pastor David can't do. It's about what God can do through him. And we can go around across everything. Can I tell you, there's not one single individual in this place that God has not called you. There's not one single person in this place that God doesn't have something for you specific to do. We even... Make it real easy for you. We have a process called Next Steps. We will help you find your talent and ability and start connecting with what God has purpose for you in your life. And it's just baby steps. We can't give you the answer to every question you have in life. But I'll tell you this, that when you begin to walk out in the fullness and the fulfillment of God's purpose in your life, all of a sudden that frown becomes a smile. And all of a sudden that that's kind of a little bit of a cadence of a pace becomes a little bit more happy and joyful. Why? Because God is working in and through you. Faith is not about what you can do in your own strength, but what God can do through you in His strength. Now, I must say this in regards to Moses. This is a spoiler alert if you don't know. Moses' journey was not easy, and he made many, many mistakes. He did. But the Lord never, and I repeat, never, never, ever abandoned him. He was there with him the complete time, and he was there faithfully giving and loving him, walking with him even through the process of life. He kept his promise and gave Moses everything he needed. Moses did lead the captives out of Egypt by God's strength and guidance. And just like Moses, and I mean this sincerely, just like Moses, you can have faith that the Lord will provide all that you need during this journey of life. I promise you. Point number two. It's only two points, and again, remember, four guys. Okay, the two, the two are quick hitters. So don't panic. Don't don't ignore your tummy. Don't check your phones. Second point is this it's not what you were, but what you are. Let me repeat that again. It's not what you were, but what you are. So, I must confess, I've been in and out of a whole lot of doctor's offices lately for a whole lot of reasons. And some of the reasons that, you know, I mean, anyway, that's a whole other story. But anyway, One of the things I realized on my own, I didn't need to, well, the doctor did tell me, but I got on the scale and he said, so you gained some weight. I'm like, you're a genius. Doesn't take much to notice, stuff like that. So I call it like the COVID 30, 31, 32, or 37, whichever, depends on the day. Because I, I know it's just me, of course, but we're not... I'm not doing as much as I used to, and I really didn't feel like doing anything. And when there's good food, I feel like that God has blessed with abundance, and I don't want to be a wasteful person. So I kept, I kept eating, and the result was that when I got on the scale, I remember the nurse kind of looking at her chart, and then she looked at the thing. And I said, yeah, that's right. I, we're, we're good. Let's move on. Do you want my height? Because maybe I always wanted to be six foot. It's like, no, we're probably good there. I'm probably shrinking, you know, in the height factor. But anyway, that kind of happens with life. But again, I've gained some extra pounds. And the doctor's like, so what's your strategy in regards to that? And I said, on top of the strategy for everything else, I don't know. Eat less. He's like, you start there. That's for free. (laughs) So, again, it's not what I was, but what I am. I'm a whole lot more today. Come on now, raise your hand. If you are more today, then no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you get my point. Second person is Samson. And if you read his story, his story is uh, quite amazing and tragic. And if you have no clue, make sure you check it out. It's in the book of Judges. Judges 13 through 15 tells the story of Samson, Samson's beginning and the time prior to Delilah, and that's in Judges uh, 16. His birth was a miracle. In fact, there's if we can't geek out in history and theology for very long here, but it's an incredible foretelling of of Jesus and and his calling and the Levitical uh, priesthood and all this kind of stuff. Won't won't bore you with those details, but it's, it's a really amazing story. But God uh, gives us gives us. Uh, couple a, a son and and he goes on further in 14 and 15 it jumps forward and he's married a philistine woman and led to a whole kind this led to a whole bunch of conflicts uh, with the philistines who were ruling over israel at the time and 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 god gave him this tremendous power that was really his thing he was like he was like true hero like superhero right fact maybe one of the one of the first ones at least, you know, kinda in that way. In Judges 14, 6, it says at the moment, and we're gonna skip through these, you can look at these later, but they'll be on the screen. But I want to show you, I mean, this dude was bad. Like I'm talking like bad, like strong, powerful, bad, that type of bad. All right. So he sees he ripped the lion's jaw uh, apart with his bare hands. I'm thinking that takes a lot of strength. I've never tried it and never will. He did it easy as a very as if it were a young goat. I'm not really sure what that's about. but anyway, I trust that it would be harder than a goat. Um, because a goat doesn't have teeth. That would be one reason for that. And then it says, Judges 14, 19, it says, then the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the uh, town of Ascalon. He killed 30 men, took their belongings. He wasn't like a bad guy, like just, you know, rebel, like I'm going to kill animals and people. Like he was, he was doing things like in the name of God. This is Old Testament, folks. Okay. So some of you younger people, it's like, just read it, okay? Trust me. It's it's an amazing story. All right? So don't get any ideas. You can't go out and do these things. Um, It says, and then Judges 15, 4 through 5, it says, when he went out, this one amazes me. This is the thing I love. And um, I almost didn't even share this with you, but the word of God is whole and complete, so it is what it is. It says, then he went out and caught 300 foxes, which I'm, so not only was he powerful, but he was quick, He had to have been. I don't know. I've never chased a fox, but I'm sure they're kind of a little tricky. He says he tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch to each pair of tails. And I want to make sure that we are uh, kosher with any ASPCA in individuals or humane societies. We believe in all animals. In fact, there is a running joke around here. Do not feed the cats on this property. All right? Because I'll tell you, one person around here doesn't like it at all. I won't tell you who that individual is. And then I'm the individual that rescues animals. It doesn't matter what it is. So then I'm up here overnight taking it to my home with fleas and everything else and finding rescuers throughout the city of Charlotte to take care of kitties, cats, and dogs. Do not do it because it stresses me out. Okay. Anyway. Another note, he says he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines, which you know that would mess them up because he's going to burn all their all their. Anyway, the grain. He said he burned all the grain in the ground, including the sheaves, and then cut. He destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. And then Jud- uh, just 15, 14 through 15, it says that um, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him powerfully, and he snapped the ropes of his arms that there were burnt strands of flax. He fell at his wrists, and goes on further. He says father found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey, picked it up, and killed 1,000 Philistines with it, with the jawbone of a donkey. This dude was bad. And you say, well, like, what would, like, impact him and, like, take him to his knees? Well, let me tell you. It was that woman. It was. Because if you read about it, he had one thing in strength, and he he wasn't supposed to do. And what was it? Tell me. Don't cut his hair. And guess what? She cut his hair. You can say, well, well, hold on. This is like faith, and we're talking about like, like an Old Testament hero, right? we we'll get there. So all his strength, all the ex- exploits, all the things he did didn't necessarily equate in that moment to who he was. You can say, well, what ended up becoming of his life? That's, that's the point where I want to get to. Hebrews 11 is also known as kind of the, the chapter where it lists, like, this, these people of faith, right? The big, like, if your name's there, like, you're a golden, you're a big. So, Hebrews eleven thirty two 32 through 34 says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson. Jephthah, David, Sam, and all the prophets, by faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised. Stop there for a moment and received what God had promised them. It says they shut the mouths of lions. We know that story. Quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weaknesses was returned to strength. They become strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. See, this is written about him even though he failed. This is written about him even though he made a mistake. I don't know about you, but this is a list of people who did some incredible kingdom things. But we know the story of Samson, and I just wanna I just wanna read some some of this, and this is just It's my my digital version of the Bible in my hand here. These will not be on your screen, so don't panic for looking for them. Judges 16, verse 20, it says, Then she cried out, Samson the Philistines have come to capture you. This is when his strength, this is when he got his hair cut right. It says, When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. He said, Because I know God's with me. I know his strength is with me. It's, It's always there. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines, this is verse 21, it says, Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But then it says, but, but before long, his hair began to grow back. And I love that story, Why? Because if you were to read the story quickly, you might have the impression with all the exploits that he did, with the great things he did, you would read this and go, whoa, hold on. Because the story of a hero is we want the redemptive part. We want to come into the end and say, well, but tell me what happened to him. Well, I told you in Hebrews he was written about great faith, so something must have happened, right? But there's something that I don't want you to miss. See, God placed Samson among the giants of faith, listing him name no less. And with God, I believe there are no mistakes. You see, faith is not concerned about your past, but your present You take a look at Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 doesn't list the men that had the cleanest records. For otherwise, David would not be on that list. Nor the ones that never made a mistake. But Hebrews 11 is nicknamed the chapter, is not nicknamed the chapter of the perfect, but the chapter of the faithful. It lists those that were imperfect. But it is in this imperfection where our faith is initiated and activated. It is in our mistakes where the forgiveness of God not only survives, but it thrives. It's in our frailty where we are not weak but made strong. You see, it's not about what you did, but what you do. Hebrews 11 is a list of those who believed in God's promises and who seek their praise from God and not man. So you say, well, tell me Samson. All right. It says, then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. And again, it wasn't about personal revenge, but remember, he was called to do something very significant. It says, then Samson put his hands on two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die here with the Philistines. And the temple crushed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. He says he did more in that one moment for the kingdom than any other. His eyes gouged out. In his last moment, God showed up and said, I'm there. Romans 2.29 says, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart. Hold on to that. It's a change of heart produced by the Spirit. A person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. You see, Samson, I believe, was caught up in what he got from people rather than that which he got from God. And if we're truly serving and working towards the things of faith in God, we got to get to the point that we're not concerned about man and mankind, but we're concerned about the things of God. And there will not always be praises on our shoulders. And there will do things behind the scenes. And we'll do, do things that no one else will ever take notice of. But God knows. You see, when God calls, He qualifies. When God calls, He equips. I believe it is in this divine space. Your faithfulness, will be, your faithlessness will be transformed into faithful. And I take that for just a moment. When I started the message, I said this, that God doesn't want Hope Church to be ordinary. God doesn't want Hope Church to sit and maintain status quo. God doesn't want us to fill the pews without activating our faith and bringing others to the normal. Knowledge of who Jesus is. It's just the way it works. So the challenge this morning is this: What will you do? What will you do? I want us just to close our eyes for just a moment worship team is going to sing this portion of the song and then I'm going to come back with a very specific challenge. But I want these words to begin to stir within you because I believe that God is bringing us to a kingdom decision in just a moment.